This feels, this feels good. I don't know why, but it, you know, it feels good. Um, <laughs> what's up, world? VLG, PC Podcast. You know what it is. Back at it. Another episode. Um, <laughs> my head, I'm like, why am I still doing this? I'm doing it because I like it, and I'm doing it because, you know, listen, the numbers are going in a positive direction. I've only been doing this, like, I think six months, maybe, so, you know. <laughs> listen, it could always be bigger, but I'm happy with where it is, and welcome, listeners. I appreciate you for even giving us a shot. Um yeah, you're going to hear some dumb shit. I'm going to say some dumb things. Uh, I'm going to try to watch the pro profanity. I'm going to try to stop saying um, but I've been saying that for six months now. I think I might have a speech impediment or something's wrong with my brain. But nonetheless, I'm here with you again. It is Wednesday sometime in October. I don't remember the days. Yeah, the concept of time doesn't really matter. I, I don't know. They just tell you it's October. It's just, we don't know. Let me not let me not go down that rabbit hole because that's not where I'm going with the show tonight. Uh, it's a surprising topic, but you know, there's a, there's a, there's only yeah, there's only there's only two things that I really I think I want to touch on tonight. But um, before I begin, I like to welcome all the new listeners who um yeah who just clicked on the link that I put out somehow. You found it. You found a podcast by word of mouth. Uh, my yo, my core listeners, yo, salute to you, man. Yo, salute to the little bro from the farm, man. I just checked in with him last night. That's the homie, man. Uh, yo, my guy, if you hear this episode, like, yo, please, please go to school because, listen, I, <laughs> I'm i going to need somebody who graduated college to work for me if, um, if, if I ever do make it big. So, little bro from the farm, please, you know, I know you're doing a lot, but... Please do remember, I'm going to need somebody who graduated college to work for me. Um, so, yeah, salute to the little bro from the farm. Uh, yeah, and uh, JM, I appreciate you immensely. I just uh, promoted the uh, podcast a little bit on um, Instagram and uh, Facebook, I believe, and uh, Twitter as well. So, yeah, the link's out there. It's floating around. Please do share it around with your friends. Share it to somebody who likes hearing things, as I said, from a different perspective. Because, you know, <laughs> I'm not special at all. Like, I'm not special. I don't, you know, believe I'm better than anybody else or that I'm smarter than anybody else by any means. I'm just throwing that out there just in case, you know, you think I sound arrogant when I say certain things. You know, as I said, just send me some information telling me I'm wrong. And I, I will gladly admit I'm wrong. But in the meantime, you know, <laughs> listen, it's from my perspective. I, I'm not special, but I am, I believe I'm a little bit different from what, you know, my programming is different from everybody else's. I'm not special and I'm not smarter than you, but, you know, there's some stuff that people just, automatically believe in and um yeah it just seems crazy to me uh <laughs> um yeah before i get into the topics um i'm just gonna point out, listen i don't bash the ladies this is just my provider listen i'm this is my disclaimer i don't i do not 
bash the women, but I will give you guys like little tidbits, just, you know, just off the struggles that I go through, you know, or, or I've seen in the course of my life. All right. I'm just giving you, you know, gems on, you know, how to deal with us savages, you know, as men, because we are savages. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we are savages. You know, one day I will, I swear to God, I'm going to do a show. Fellas, y'all are going to hate me for the We Are Savages show because I'm going to tell on us uh, so heavy. Uh, <laughs> ladies, your man will never admit it to you, but uh, I'm different. Like We are savages. Like uh, As nature goes, we are all animals. We just have a different set of instincts from the animals that run around in nature that have been instilled in us or whatever. Um, but yeah, before I start the show, and get into listen, listeners. This is going to be like a more serious show because the topics are the topics are a little bit serious, or at least from my perspective. Like, but you might not even care about the things that I'm going to talk about. But I'm just informing you of um, the things that I think about during this show. Thank you for listening again. Um, but ladies, please, like, please, just like, can you? His okay. At some, and this goes. Matter of fact, this goes for men and women, everybody. All right, because I'm not just going. I don't want the ladies to be like, "Yo, you bashing us." Yo, this goes for everybody. Everybody, as adults of a certain age, like we should know how to just admit, just admit when you're wrong. Don't blame anybody else for it. Don't say you made me be wrong like that. Is something that exists, um, <laughs> or you made me do this, or you listen. We've all been told since we were little. If you grew up in a certain kind of household, nobody can make you do anything, and when you're wrong, you have to take accountability for your actions. It goes for everybody as adults. If we can't agree on that, then I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. To be honest, we're not gonna make it as a humanity. We're already not gonna make it. Robots are gonna replace everybody, but yeah, that's another show. Uh, yeah, that was my tidbit of you know that's my jewel. Sometimes I say smart shit. <laughs> Sometimes you're probably gonna be like, yeah, that was the dumbest shit I ever heard. But you know, to me, it was smart. So just <laughs> just rock with it. Just think about it though. Think about it later. Just accountability. I think I'm too heavy on accountability. And that might be my problem, you know. And just being able to apologize. But, hey, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. It was my fault. I'm a dick, you know. Uh, yeah, it goes a long way sometimes. Just uh, remember that, people. But, uh, yeah, just to get into tonight's topic, uh, I did touch on it the last show. I think the last show was out already. Yeah, I believe. I'm, I'm too busy thinking about that right now. But, um, yeah, this uh, Jamal Khashoggi thing, the BBC journalist who was critical of Saudi Arabia and his columns and his news articles and things of that nature, who was murdered in the Saudi consulate in Turkey. And uh, Saudi Arabia has now admitted that he died while in a fight because they had to choke him out while he was in a room with 12 guys. This guy was like in his 60s. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, listen, if you hear me 
chuckle or giggle. I'm not laughing at anybody's death. It's just my line of thought is ridiculous. Um, yeah, why well, I don't know why they would have to choke a 60 year old man out if he's in a room with nine other guys. But uh, yeah, the world is kind of they had a conference out there in Saudi Arabia. There were some CEOs and some other people who pulled out after the admitted murder of the journalist. And, um, yeah, that yeah, it's 2018. This is the world we live in. And um, yeah, nothing happened. Like, nobody... The money does not stop. I'm not... Let me not go into that <laughs> right now. But... All I'm saying is, like, yeah, like, no, there's no, as I said, what are the repercussions for, you know, them admittedly killing a journalist in their embassy? It, it sounds like some Jason Bourne movie type thing. If you, to me, to me, you don't have to think about it from that angle, but it sounds like something you've seen in a movie or seen on a television show, like a 24 or something like that. But this is real life and this is the world that we currently live in. And it really highlights, I guess, the safety of journalists, should you say, just in general. Like, that, I think that's the general state of journalism as we speak, is that um, in other countries, really, because uh, I can't even go off on that rant, but, you know, it's really a crackdown on the press, especially with this thing. Like, if if um, if um other, if there are other people in Saudi Arabia who are journalists or reporters and they are critics of the regime and things of that nature, what message does this send to them, like just in general, if we really are going to get serious about it? Like what what does this, what message does it send to them? It doesn't send a message of safety and protection for their journalistic freedom. And it's, it's, it seems crazy to me. Because it, it's some something out of a movie, but it's real life, and it's just sending. It's not. It's a very yeah. listen. But this has been going on forever, as I always say. Like none, none of this is new. None of it is. No, listen. It's all as I say. There is such thing as there is a such thing as predictive programming, which is why I reference back to the movies and television shows because. When it happens in real life, it doesn't seem as bad because we've seen it before. So we get shocked by it at first, but then we're like, oh, you know, I guess it's not that far off because, you know, I've seen or heard of the idea before. And we know that it's been going on forever. And I think it was the prince of Saudi Arabia actually shook hands with Jamal Khashoggi's son, which I, <laughs> I don't, I I don't understand. Like I didn't, I didn't get that one. Like I saw it, but I'm just like, yo, this is this is crazy. But 
in the same light. It's uh, it's real life. I don't know why I keep saying that, but it just seems surreal that they could murder a journalist. And, yeah, I mean, <laughs> as I told you, the guy in office, Trump, his first reaction when they asked him about it, his response to the question was like, yo, we got like a $150 billion deal going on with them right now. Like we, and they have other suitors, so we can't kind of pull out of that deal. We're kind of stuck in that one right now. It's $150 billion. And as I said, you know, I kind of agree with that sentiment. But that's why I screamed like, yo, the money does not stop because <laughs> things like this happen and nobody blinks an eye because we've seen it before on TVs and television and movies and things of that nature. So it seems far-fetched, but it's not far off because, yeah, that's normal. We've seen it. Hold on, give me like 10 seconds. Uh, yeah, we've seen it all before and it's not new. And speaking of, you know, speaking of crackdowns and things of that nature, the um, the Uyghur or Uyghur Muslims in China are now in internment camps because uh, <laughs> the, the people of China have to be all the same. So when they, um, yeah, it's pretty much a crackdown on them to it's it's pretty much a crackdown on them to dissuade them of their muslim beliefs and it's so it's so weird so i'm just trying to f- figure that whole thing out about uh it just seems like a crackdown on the press let me not check my email and stuff while i'm doing this uh yeah the it's it's just some weird times we're living in, and I'm trying to figure it out just in general. The uh, the Jamal Khashoggi thing, I'm in disbelief, but it's not you know, <laughs> it's just different, man. Because America's doing nothing about. It. This is a whole, that's a whole nother show. That That's another show, so I can't even delve into that topic. But speaking of the freedom of the press, just today, actually, today over the last days or whatever, there, uh, there were pipe bombs or suspicious packages at the homes of George Soros, Hillary Clinton, the Obamas, and maybe a couple of other people in general. So, and somebody said in the press, I think it was Anderson Cooper or somebody, he said, you know, these things were to, to dissuade the media or strike fear in the hearts and minds of people who are critical of everything that's going on right now and people in the press and everything else that's going on. And it's one of those things well, I'm really trying to figure out. I'm like, uh, this is. <laughs> it seems like a movie plot in general, because you know, I don't understand it, man. It's just so weird that everybody, 
you know, how are pipe bombs being found in the homes of ex-presidents when they have CIA protection and things of that nature? How does that happen? I, I don't... <laughs> I, it just seems so crazy to me that I don't even understand it in general. It's 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 kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I'm conflicted right now, man. I I, I I'm not. I'm just gonna keep it so 100. Um, I'm I'm keeping. <laughs> I'm just, I could call into another show right now. I could keep doing my show. Uh, if you hear a click, just uh just bear with me. I right? um yeah. Hold on. Sorry about that, people. Uh, jump right back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh. CNA, I'm an asshole. <laughs> I'm sorry. Somebody just told me to stop saying that the other day, too. But, uh, yeah, the CNN, the bombing, the pipe bombs and everything else, it just seems so surreal for uh, journalists right now, the times we're living in. Just, it's just crazy. It seems like stuff out of a movie. And uh, it seems like the guy in office is a gangster. It's it's just so surreal, man. This is some real mafia gangster type stuff. Like, I, we're gonna stop you from talking. We just send bombs to you. All like, maybe it's just me. Maybe I only think of it from this perspective, where that's what the old school gangsters used to do, or you know, the KGB, for instance. If you know what the KGB is, that's the Russian spy agency, which um. Vladimir Putin was a member of. So it seems like some mafia. And Trump has ties to gangster stuff, like from his father and everybody else. And he was with the mafia. That's what, yeah, it just doesn't seem... It seems like they're sending a message to journalists in general in these times where, you know, journalistic freedom is being tampered down to say the least so it, it's a it's one of those things where I'm just like yeah, I don't even I don't even understand it but I don't understand how people don't see it like I posted about it I posted news stories and everything else just to keep people updated about the bombings and all the suspicious packages that were being found <laughs> the sad part and the reality of it is that you know, people would rather see somebody getting punched in the face or somebody crashing a car, you know, as opposed to hearing about these things and considering them from the angle I'm looking at them from. But I'm just me. As I said, I'm just different. Um, it's, it's weird, though, because how do they kill a man in an embassy and... I'm not sure what the UN does. Um, I'm not saying that because I'm dumb and I don't know what their mission is supposed to be. I'm just saying that because it doesn't seem like they help much of anything. There are more UN peacekeepers who have been accused of rape and bribing people for food and all these other heinous crimes. So I'm not exactly sure what it is they do or what the 
like I said, what are the consequences for Saudi Arabia? Uh, they can tell you they lock people up, but they could just lock people up that they don't like and say, oh, yeah, these are the guys that did it, and they could lock them up. But it was alleged alleged that the government ordered the hit on Jamal Khashoggi. So there has to be some high-ranking officials going down just in general. But it, it just seems so surreal, man. Just think Jason Bourne or any other spy movie that you've ever seen. Just think back over the course of your time of movie watching and things of that nature. Um, yeah, it just seems so surreal, man. And I don't understand. It's a headline that will pass and people will forget and it'll be a Remember Khashoggi Day at some point in the future. Probably like a year from now, they'll they'll put out stories like, "Oh, remember the journalist who was murdered." But it really doesn't. It doesn't send a good message to journalists in general, especially the people at CNN when allegedly people are sending bombs to your headquarters and they had to evacuate the uh, Time Warner Center in New York City because of the suspicious package. It, it just seems so gangster, and um. <laughs> I'm not laughing, I promise you, but it just seems so surreal and so gangster. But then again, I think I'm nuts, and I'm probably the only person who thinks of it from this angle. And I'm just trying to make you think of it from this angle so you could be nuts too, man. Um, Speaking of nuts, uh, just in general, I got a real question, man. And it's, it's, uh, it's because I was watching something the other night, and... It's a different, I never, like, I thought of it from this perspective, but I've, you know, just watching what I was watching, it kind of made me think of it from a different angle. And especially because, you know, I post some videos where, you know, yeah, I just posted a video the other day, a cop just gave somebody the mean right hand just I don't know what the guy, I don't know what the guy did to him, but yo, know, he just gave him like the mean stiff right jab and knocked him out. <laughs> then we had the incident in um, Akron, Ohio, where you have uh, these police on top of a forty-seven-year-old man, and uh, one officer had his hands above his head, and the other officer is yelling at him, "Get your hands behind your back," so he can't really move his hands, and then uh. While they're holding him down, this one cop just proceeds to, yeah. you know, he had to punch this dude at least like 30 times. And um, here's the flip side to that. Like, as messed up as that sounds, then what I watched plays into mine. And I'm like, yo, damn, I think, like, the cops might be emotionally distressed or they might be suffering with PTSD every day and now that I'm saying this I'm like I don't you know <laughs> I know some cops and I know some retired cops and you listen you know yo salute to you man um but <laughs> those dudes ain't wrapped too tight and it takes a little while for them to adjust back to civilian life that's all I'm gonna say about that but watching the documentary I was watching you know <laughs> 
the cop told the story, and it, it kind of made sense to me because he was like, you know, he's pulled over a guy, and uh, and it, or he was trying. Matter of fact, he was trying. He stopped on the street to try to help, you know, a woman who was like, oh, somebody like a woman who was in an argument with a with a guy or was getting robbed, something like that, man. And um, while he was, I guess, kind of talking tough to the uh, the robbers or assailants, or let me call them assailants, uh, seven more guys kind of rolled up, and uh, I think like he was backing away, and he got hit by a car, or one of the guys hit him with a car, and um, yeah, then they beat him up, and he was like, you know, ever since that day, he got he was like a little more on guard and a little more aggressive. And he said one statement that kind of, <laughs> you know, no way am I supporting, like, the police just bucking, but, like, shooting people for no reason. Let me just throw that out there just in general. But he said, he was like, listen, if you were in a situation like that where you got your ass kicked, he was like, wouldn't you be on guard a little bit more too with you when, with, when you encounter people who look like the people who beat you up? And I'm like, it makes a it makes a hell of a point, man. Um, and then there were other officers on there who were like, you know, one time a guy pulled a gun on me. It's like a Mexican guy pulled a gun on me. And he's like, you know, from that day on, he's like the Mexican guy caught him off guard, he pulled a gun on him. And from that day on, he he never like he was just kind of more aggressive, and you know they admitted like they did things that they never saw themselves doing, and they they basically admitted that they kind of beat people up and kind of mistreated people just off of the events that happened to them. Which is a form of PTSD because, I mean, they try to compare it and say that it's the same thing that these soldiers go through when they are pretty, like when they go through overseas and they go through the IEDs and then they come back and they can't adjust to civilian life. And I'm not, listen, I'm not sympathizing with them. I don't really operate off sympathy. But I understand the perspective that they were coming from because the the guy who said he was just trying to help the person get away from the assailants, he said after that day he he kind of didn't want to help people. Which I, I think if you're a, a police officer, that's kind of your job. And it was just surreal because I identified with what he was saying. I was I'm not co-signing him, you know, being a dick to people just off of the one bad experience and him having the power to be a dick to people. But I understood I empathized with him off that fact and the other stories I heard of the officers who were like, yeah, you know, one day some guys jumped me while I was on duty or, you know, having just a gun pulled out on them while they doing a traffic stop. And he's like, you know, once you do that and you have that gun pulled on you during a traffic stop, everybody who you pull over who reminds you of that guy, you're going to flash back to the memory of 
a guy who looked like him pulling a gun on you. And as I said, I empathized with their stories. And <laughs> in no way, shape, or form am I am I saying that I co-signed them, you know, now giving people red left and right hooks and beating somebody who's pinned down, like, you know, hitting them with 30 punches. That That's never, that is excessive and unneeded in general. You know, that's not police work. That's just, that's just handing out beatings because you're traumatized. I, I'm not co-signing that. I guess watching the thing, I guess watching the show or documentary kind of made me understand the way police move. And I've I've talked to cops and they've kind of told me this, but it didn't go into the depth of the depth of what I was watching. And it's it's a uh, yeah, I never listen, I never thought I'd be sitting here telling you I empathize with, you know, cops. Yo, listen, there's nothing cops. You're going to need the cops one day. So, you know, all the young guys out there screaming like, oh, fuck the police and all that other stuff. No, you're going to need them one day. So, you know, just just understand that. <laughs> listen, I, I just don't want them to shoot me. But you're going to need them one day, you know. They're not all, they haven't all been through traumatic experiences and they're not all taking out their aggression or roid rage on people. That is not all cops. But I it just made me question myself, kind of, really, because I'm like, yo, why am I empathizing with these people? But then at the same time, like, I did try to be a cop on a couple of different times, but, you know, that didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> anyway, all I'm saying is, it kind it kind of made me see it from their side of the coin, and I mean, if you take a minute and you think about it from that perspective, you might see it that way too. As I I will make this disclaimer, as long as I'm on this topic and I find myself on this weird path, is that yeah, you know, I I I do not agree with them just shooting people and beating people for no reason. Do I understand the their behavior a little bit more? After watching this, yes. Do I co-sign what I always say is like you have to kind of appease them and you know you have to you have to make them feel comfortable. They're not there to make you feel comfortable. They are <laughs> when you're dealing with somebody who has emotional problems or is emotionally dependent say uh, I, I can't even say that because it's going to sound crazy to people if I say that but the same way you would treat if yeah, you would treat if somebody you knew who had special needs had a gun on their waist you have to treat them in that manner if that makes any sense in general because it is about their comfort and it's not about you and your safety if I'm just going to keep it a buck and I can tell you that just from you know <laughs> just from cops that I know who are like yo and I ask them I'm like yo I thought it was like shoot to stop people and they're like no 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 you, you, 
I'm like, I thought it was like shoot to disable the threat. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like when you're in a situation, you're not thinking disable the threat. Like you, you just want to stop them and you can't, you know, you're not always going to aim below the knee. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, there goes that idea, that little fairy tale I had in my head. I probably saw that in some movie and believed it as well, which goes back to what I was just saying. But in general, yeah, you have to make the police feel comfortable because you never know under which level of emotional distress that they might be in. If we're, you know, if I'm just keeping it completely real with you. You never know what kind of past they've had. Um, I'm not listen. I'm I'm gonna stay away from the getting picked on in school or not getting girls or you know, not having any respect until you had a badge and gun because this show is not about that one. Um, the show is about the real emotional distress that some cops may be under. We have to remember that they may have just been in a shootout. They may have just seen a dead body. They may have just, you know, had a gun pulled on them by somebody, or as I said, got in a shootout. Or they may have beat their wife that morning. (laughs) That's just a stereotype that cops beat their wives. Hey, guys, I'm not saying, you know, if you're a cop and you're listening, I'm not saying you beat your wife. It's just a stereotype you guys have to follow, you know. I like fried chicken. You might beat your wife. You know, stereotypes are funny because they're true. But, you know, you have to put them at ease because it's not about your safety when they're dealing with you. They are trying to go home at night to their kids. That is what they tell themselves before every shift is that, They all want to make it home tonight to their wife and kids or their significant others or their puppies and cats or whatever it may be. So you always have to remember that when dealing with the police. And this show that I was watching kind of made me a more firm believer in that just in general, which is, you know, you have to... You have to put them at ease because it's not about your safety. It's about theirs. They want to go home. They're not worried about if they got to take you to jail and you don't see your house for the weekend. You have to remember that. They will lock you up for the weekend, and they don't care if you go home because they're trying to go home. I guess that's a that's the, is the greatest way of dealing with the police you can think about. Like, just just remember that in your next encounter or whenever you're getting pulled over by police in the future, for anyone who's listening to this, they will lock you up for the weekend. They just want to go home. So please put them at ease so you can both probably go home because you don't know if they just got in a foot chase if they just had to fight people, if they just had a shootout, if they just went through some stuff at the office, or if they're just in a moment of rage for some reason. 
We don't know. They are emotionally distressed people. And it's, it's, uh, I'm not saying it's right that they have guns and stuff. <laughs> Listen, I condone just giving them pepper spray and tasers. If you want to be real, everybody would go home. You know, there would be no more, uh, you know, let me not get into that. But there would be, there wouldn't be as many shootings if they only had pepper spray and tasers and handcuffs and they wouldn't be, you know, some of the, a lot of them would not be as abrasive as they are if they did not have guns on them. But this is America and there are more guns than there are people. So that idea is, you know, it's not a reality. It sounds good. And uh, in theory, it sounds great. But in reality, as I said, there are more guns than people. So it all sounds good. Yeah, that you know, let's let's take away the guns from them because they are emotionally distressed. But then you know, <laughs> if you're getting robbed by some people with guns, and then cops with no guns show up, you <laughs> are you are you gonna feel protected? Are you? Hell, I'm not, and hell, I'm not co-signing. I'm not co-signing cops. Um, well, I kind of am, because you know, if I ever, if I ever make it a police escort, would be nice, uh, and you know, make sure I don't, make sure nothing bad happens to me, and make sure you guys are always on my side, and you keep me out of trouble. That goes, you know, for any police officer buddies I may have who listen to this. Uh, but yeah, as I said, people, listen. You want to go home, they want to go home. You have to make them feel comfortable. I'm not saying to not, you know, you have to. It's it's conflicting because I want to tell you stand up for yourself if they're like just being abrasive and being a dick for no reason. But uh, it's better to just go with the flow and let the outcome be what it be. Because if they're in the wrong, you can probably get paid for it. But if they're in the wrong and you try to fight them on the spot, it's not going to go well for you because they just want to go home. And that's the big thing. Just remember that. You have to put them at ease because when it's all said and done, they just want to go home. Are they emotionally distressed? I don't know for sure, but uh, for what I've seen and heard, yeah. It's what they call EDP, which are uh, emotionally disturbed people. That is a term that they used for some people. Uh, yeah, and some of them are actually EDPs themselves. So, like I said, at the, at some shift meetings for cops, they say, let's all go home tonight and let's all make it home safe. And that is part of their prayer or ritual or whatever you say, whatever they say. So, when you are in an encounter with the police, I reiterate, 
act in a manner that says you want to go home. Because it, it may put them at ease and let them know that you both have the same common goal, which is to go home. So please do remember that next time you are in a police encounter. And that goes for myself as well. Uh, put your hands on the wheel, take your keys out the ignition, put your keys on top of the car, and put your hands back on the steering wheel after you put your keys on top of the car. They will respect it, and you might get out of whatever you're getting in unless you really did some shit or your license is messed up. It's just a word of advice from yours truly. Just, you know, you want to go home, they want to go home. That's the summation of it. Just remember that. Um, I do appreciate you listening. I'm sorry for the pause. I didn't even get to call into the other show. I think it was done by the time that I actually got onto it. The email went to the wrong folder, so it's not my fault, man. But I'm glad I didn't interrupt my craft to work on somebody else's show. So my goal is to try to balance it out and work on my stuff and work on other people's stuff at the same time, but make sure I always keep my stuff in rotation. And that is why you are hearing my voice tonight, and I appreciate you listening. At all costs, I really do appreciate you. Um, Yeah, VLG Podcast, PC Podcast. It's a Wednesday in October, and it's cold as shit in New York. And uh, I guess the winter is here. Uh. Yo, pay attention, man. Pay attention to the news. And uh, let's all hope that, you know, journalism stays alive in this third world country that we called America. Uh, That is it for tonight. I appreciate you listening, people. VLG Podcast, PC Podcast. I'm out. One.